want to begin this morning by just reading, looks like I got maybe about 10 verses, different passages that can sum up perhaps much of what we're going to be talking about today. And, and some of these verses we will be coming back to as well. So today let's begin with some verses that talks about Emmanuel, God with us. Why he came, how he came, in the life here on earth. Let's begin by reading several verses. Let's begin in John 1, the first five verses. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's the Word? Jesus Christ. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. John 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh. That's the babe in the manger. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Matthew 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear his son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. First John 4, verses 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Isaiah 9 Verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. 2 Corinthians nine fifteen. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give thanks for the gift of Jesus Christ. Lord, 
He is our all in all. He is our Redeemer, our Savior. He is our hope. So, Father, help us to know more of you, to know more of Christ, that we might be able to share the truth with a lost and dying world. So help us now, Father. Help us to be attentive. Help us to fight the good fight of faith, even as we listen and look at your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, we've been kind of leading up to this two Sundays ago. We, we preached a sermon of why did he come? Why the incarnation? Well, he became because of sin. That's why he came. Jesus came to the earth that he had created, that he might provide redemption and be the propitiation for our sin. That, that's why he came. Uh, Galatians 4, let's just read verses 4 and 5 this time. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Okay, and I could pause there and go, why? Why would He do such a thing? Well, here's the why, verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. When the fullness of the time had come. Why, why at this particular time? There had been some 400 years of silence, no prophet in the land. And then the time came. The fullness of time has come. I believe I've talked about this maybe even the last two Sundays. When the law had fully accomplished its purpose in showing man his utter sinfulness and inability to live up to God's perfect standard of righteousness, God, in His sovereign timing, ushered in a new era of redemption. The fullness of time had come. The law had done all that it was supposed to do to show man's utter impossibility of following and living up to this righteous standard And Jesus came to redeem those under the law, those who could not live that perfect life. And none of us could, only Jesus. Paul explained it in Romans 8, verses 3 and 4. Romans 8, 3 and 4. For what the law could not do, and that it was was weak through the flesh, God did. How? By sending His own Son. How did he send him? A babe in a manger. Or what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Why? On account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. A spiritual birth not flesh but spirit jesus fulfilled the law living perfectly in perfect obedience he satisfied the righteous requirements of the law and then by his perfect sacrifice upon the cross giving his life shedding his blood as the once and forever perfect sacrifice for sin he provided perfect redemption Perfect redemption for all who would come to Him in faith. Those who come believing, confessing their sin, receiving Christ, 
turning from their sin and following Jesus Christ. He was born to die. That's why he came. But we, we can't, or at least I can't, I can't separate the incarnation and the cross. He came for the cross. That's why he came. He came because of sin. And you can't have the cross if he didn't get the manger. If he didn't come. That to me they're inseparable. And so I get I give thanks. I give thanks to God that he sent his son. And I give thanks to God that he sent his son to go to the cross so that we might have redemption. He came to die. That huh, we're gonna read it here in a little bit, but that that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, wrapped in cloth, will someday be that man wrapped in grave clothes. You understand that? And sealed in a tomb. But he won't stay there. See, that's the next part. You can't separate that either. But he he overcame death. He overcame. He conquered death. I, I love that we... we we didn't sing it this morning, but I love the lyric of that inglorious day that, that says, Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him from rising again. I, I, I love that. It couldn't. It couldn't. So last Sunday, we, we, we began looking at the how. The how Jesus came. How, that, how he came to earth the earth that he was created. In Matthew 1, uh, verse 23, again. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, we, we, we read, and we're not going to read all of that over again today, but we read of the encounter of Mary and, and the angel Gabriel and, and the, the news that, it, that he brought and, and of how this was going to transpire and take place. And, and, and we read of, of where did, where did uh, Mary go for three months? Where did she go? She, she went to her Aunt Elizabeth to be there uh, with, with her. And we know what happened when, when Mary came near and the, you know the baby yet in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, leaped with joy. As as Mary came near, and, and what a wondrous story! And and during this time, where's Joseph? Uh, we we read of him and and having a, a dream, uh, an angel coming to him in a dream, and and letting him know, giving him assurance that all these things that Mary has said is real and is of God, and giving him the assurance. And it says then. Uh, Let's go to Matthew 1, verses 24 and 5. We will read that. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, after he had that dream, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. He took Mary to be his wife. We don't know the timing of all of this, but we know that he, he went and he, he took Mary as his wife. And, and again, I can almost imagine what this conversation was because he had put her away privately, hadn't he? 
I believe that's why she went to be with Elizabeth for those three months. But then the Lord worked on him. And, and perhaps the conversation was, Mary, I, I believe the angel showed me. I know Greg Gabriel showed you, but the Lord showed me in a dream. And, and Mary, I believe. And Mary, be my wife. Be my wife. So he takes Mary to be his wife. And, and here's what we're going to do today. We're, we're going to pick this up in, in Luke, the second chapter. And perhaps you've been reading this, and perhaps some of you parents have been reading this story to your children, and, and wonderful if you do. So let's read Luke, the second chapter, and we're going to read a, a pretty good portion here. Let's read 14 verses, 1 through 14. Luke 2, 1 through 14. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place when Quinarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Let me, let me pause there for just a moment. Uh, he took Mary to be his wife, and here we have that word betrothed again. Well, the, this was a binding legal ceremony, the betrothal, but when when was the, the marriage ceremony actually sealed? The, the consummation uh, took place, and we, we just read... And he took Mary as his wife and did not know her. So they did not have physical relationships until after Christ was born. Well, why? Why is that important? So that there would be no doubt, no doubt that this was virgin birth, that, that Joseph was not the physical father, you see. And, and so I believe perhaps that's why we have the word betrothed yet here in Luke 2, perhaps. Uh, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So, <coughs> so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Let me pause again. You know, it was talked about already this morning. This, this was a tough go. This was a hard go to, to make this journey. And, and to make it when your wife is... Nine months pregnant, I'm assuming nine months, it's time for him to be born. This, this was tough. And while they're out on the road, and, and as they're going to take care of this that, that's been demanded of them, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Now let me pause for just a moment. Can you can you envision can you envision this scene? They're just out doing their job on a hillside. It's nighttime. 
And all of a sudden, can, can you even imagine this? An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were greatly afraid, and I would venture to say we would be too. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, (laughs) for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, hey, senses, we already had the angel appearing. We already had the glory of the Lord shining around them. And then, and then what after this, after this message? And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Why would there be a multitude that would come to do that? Because they knew. They knew why Jesus was coming. They were, they were giving thanks to God and, and, and in this moment because they knew what this child was going to bring to the earth. Peace, peace on earth. Well, he came and he was peace on earth. But was the earth at peace? Oh, no. Is, this, is it at peace now? No, it's not at peace. But where is the peace? The peace in knowing that we can have a right relationship with God because of this. That we can have peace with God, no longer be enemies of God. That's the peace. That's the Prince of Peace, that He could bring peace that we might be in a right relationship with God the Father. No longer enemies, but sons and daughters, children of God. That's, that's the joy, the great joy, goodwill toward men. Jesus came to this earth to bring great joy. <laughs> the, the, the joy that, that once you have it, once you've been born again, having believed the gospel, having received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, nothing can take away this joy. Nothing can take away this joy. Jesus was sharing with his disciples of the things that would happen as the time of the cross was drawing near. And and he just shared, if, if we go to John 15, verse 11, And in John 15, you know that this is where Jesus had just shared with them the story of I am the vine, you are the branches. And and then he said this in John 15, 11. He said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And in the time just before Jesus and his disciples entered into the Garden of Gethsemane, he had been talking about how he must go away, but but that they would see him again. And Jesus said this, and John would go into chapter 16. John 16, go down to verse 22. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but you will see me again, 
and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take away from you. A joy without end. That's Christ in us. A joy without end. Now, does that mean that we'll never have grief? That we'll never have sorrow? That we'll never have pain? No, no, it doesn't mean that. But it means that we will have a deep-seated joy in the Lord and of the Lord, even in the midst of pain and sorrow and suffering. And that, and that we might know, as we, as we studied there in Romans 8, that all things, even pain, sorrow, grief, will work together for good to those who love Christ, to those who are in Christ. Born again. Great joy. A joy that no one can take away. And let's do this. I, I want to read several verses uh, that talks about joy. Let's do that this morning. Have seven passages. Let, let, let's take the verses 22 and 23 uh, from Galatians 5 that we um, looked at earlier. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit. Who has the Spirit of Christ in them? The born again. The children of God. And we have the fruit of that that would bear witness that we are a child of God would be love and joy and all these things. Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill you with all joy in believing. Psalms 5, verse 11. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let them also who love your name be joyful in you. In 1 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible. Joy unspeakable in the King James. Joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's joy. That's joy that we cannot fathom, a joy inexpressible, unspeakable. Isaiah 61, verse 10. Joy, joy to the world, joy unspeakable. We should rejoice. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. <laughs> Listen to this. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Child of God, how can we cease from rejoicing because of what He has done? He has clothed you in a garment of salvation, in the robe of righteousness of Christ. And so we rejoice. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. There, reason to rejoice. 
because he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, covered me with a robe of righteousness, and there should be joy in knowing Christ, in knowing him. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Your words were found, (laughs) and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. See, we we can say that as born-again believers today yet, can't we? We can take those words of Jeremiah and say the same thing. Your word was to me as he's opened her eyes to the truth, to see the truth. Because apart from that, the, the message, the gospel, the, 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 the message of the cross was foolishness until he opened her eyes. And then it became, the word became to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Isaiah 35, verse 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, (laughs) with everlasting joy on their heads, they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. (laughs) Marching to Zion. See, for the children of God, going home, going to be with our Lord. Spurgeon said it this way. How about a good Spurgeon quote? He said it this way. Rejoice, O sinners everywhere, for the restorer of the castaways, the Savior of the fallen, is born. Join in the joy, you saints, for he is the preserver of the saved ones, delivering them from innumerable perils, and he is the sure perfecter of such as he preserves Jesus is no partial Savior, beginning a work and not concluding it, but restoring and upholding. He also perfects and presents the saved ones without spot or wrinkle or any such thing before his Father's throne. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Rejoice aloud, all you people. Let your hills and valleys ring with joy, for a Savior who is mighty to save is born among you. End quote. Isn't that great? That's great. That's biblical. That's scripture. That's why it's so great. (laughs) So may we rejoice that a Savior is born. May we rejoice that he came to bring great joy. Child of God, may we marvel at the incarnation. May we rejoice that we have received great joy. Let me read again Romans 15 verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. What? What's the next two words? Say it. In believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now here's, here's the perhaps the most important message that we can take. Yes, Jesus has come and he came because of sin and he came to be the propitiation, the payment, the ransom to pay it for our sin. But there is only way to have this true joy. There's only one way to have this true peace, and that is by believing in Jesus Christ. By grace, through true faith, believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, coming by grace through faith. 
to Jesus. That's the only way to have this joy that we're talking about this morning. Do you have it? Do you, are you a possessor of this joy that, that the world cannot take away? Is that you this morning? Are you believing? Are you believing the gospel? Do you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit because of Christ coming, Emmanuel, God with us? As Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb, He came to give His life a ransom for many to bring tidings of great joy. That's why He came, to pay in full the penalty of sin for all those who would believe. Read some verses. Now, we've read verses that, that talks about the incarnation, but how important are these verses that we read so often? John 3, verses 14 through 18. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Talking about being lifted up upon the cross. Why is that so important? <laughs> that's, that's, that's where the sacrifice was made. That, that, that's where... Jesus, our, our great high priest, poured out his own blood upon the mercy seat. That's why it had to be. So must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now listen, now listen. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Let's go to John, the fifth chapter, verse 24. Oh, so surely I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. What about those who don't believe? They're going to pass through judgment. And the wrath of God will, become a, will come upon them. Why? Because they did not believe. They forsook the Lord. They didn't believe Jesus Christ. How important is Jesus Christ? There is no other way to God the Father. And let me say it again, no other way except through Jesus Christ. All other religions of this world are false and are damned and will fall under judgment and the wrath of God. Why? Because they do not believe Jesus Christ came as the Messiah, as the Christ. Most surely I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. John 3, verse 36 and here it's said again, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on 
Him. You understand that there's many who do not believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There are many, many, many who do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, which is the Messiah. Why was Jesus put to death? Because the Pharisees proclaimed Him a blasphemer. But He came to establish a new covenant in His blood. And they rejected Him. And there are many, many, many yet today who still reject Him and see Him and view Him as a blasphemer. And if they die in that condition, let me ask you, what's their end? Judgment and wrath and hell without Christ. Is that the truth? Is it? John 6, verse 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. See, the gospel call goes out. Would you call upon him? Well, how do I do such a thing? Well, if the Lord has revealed truth to you, and you'll wait a minute now, wait, this, this is true. He has shown you that this is true. That the gospel is true. And that if you have not believed and received Christ, you're yet in your sin. And, and God may be revealing that to some who's listening. So what do you do? Well, you call upon Him. I believe. I believe it's true. And I know. I know I'm a sinner. And, and, and I believe because you have revealed it to me that Jesus Christ is my rescue he paid my debt for sin. You, you cry out in faith, believing. And you can do that right where you sit. You can do that at any point, at any moment. There, there doesn't have to be some big ritual or, or thing that goes along with this. I, I, I don't do an altar call because I don't want to persuade someone to just come to be coming. I want it to be wrought by the Holy Spirit, even where you sit. So that it, it would be of God and not of me just trying to coerce some people to come. I want it to be a manifestation of God as He He reveals it to you. And you can call upon Him at any time. It doesn't have to be here at church. It could be anywhere. It could be in a utility shed of a house. Oh, that we might cry out to the Lord. In faith, believing and receiving Christ. That we might abound in joy. A joy inexpressible, unspeakable, and full of glory. Giving thanks to God the Father for sending His only begotten Son. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15, once again. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. I pray that you have received the gift of Jesus Christ. That's my prayer. Let's read Romans 15, verse 13 one more time. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, that should there be someone who is yet lost in their sin, who is, has heard that, Lord, you might be merciful, that you might open their eyes to see you and to see truth, that you might open their ears so that, so that all those things that they have heard of the gospel of Christ now ring true in their ears. And that, Father, as they, as they come to the realization of the truth of the gospel and the truth that they are a sinner and at the truth of, of seeing you most holy, righteous God, that they have no other recourse than to tremble and fall before you. And Father, as they confess their sins to you, I, I pray, Lord, that you would grant them faith to believe. I pray that you would grant them repentance as they cry out. I pray, Lord, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as they have received and believed, that they might hold on to the undescribable, unspeakable joy that can never be taken away. Father, for those of us who are born again, we know, we know that we have been born again, born of the Spirit. Father, help us during a time here in our country and in many countries throughout the world. We have this holiday called Christmas. And, and Lord, I, I pray that, that we might use it uh, to tell the truth, to tell the true meaning of what and who Christ is and how He came and why He came, that we might share the gospel. So help us, Lord, to live as the light in the world that you have asked us and called us to be. Help us to shine as lights just as Christ has shown light into our hearts. Lord, we give thanks. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.